Well, if you'll take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Hebrews, we'll be in chapter 10 today. We're continuing, actually finishing our series uh, on re, called Refocus, the things that we've been refocusing on as the body of Christ and recommitting ourselves to. And so the tagline to this was renewing our callings and commitments as the people of God. And so we've spent five weeks, this is our fifth week, I think, or sixth week now, sixth week, um, talking about just some of the core commitments of the body of Christ. And if we're going to be plugged in as members of God's church, then what does that involve, right? What does that uh, take for? What does that require of us? What are we called to um, as members of the body of Christ here on earth? And so there are a lot of things that we can talk about with that, right? I've been taking us through our church covenant kind of as a a foundation or a basis for this discussion and looking at all the different points in our Hill Country Baptist Church's uh, member covenant and just talking about, you know, if, if we sign on to be members of this body in particular, what is it that we're called to do? What are we agreeing to? But then on a, on a generic level, I think that it just applies to every person, every believer, every Christian who is a part of Christ's body on earth. And so we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked a lot. If you've missed any of the sermons, I typically remember to record them and post them on our uh, podcast, which you can find, oh my goodness, everywhere. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all the stuff. And so if you want to look that up, just search Hill Country Baptist Church podcast and, uh, and look at that. Or just uh, I usually post it on Facebook and you can find the link on there as well every Sunday afternoon. And so if you've missed any, then go back and hear those and, uh, and just see if if uh, maybe you can get caught up. So Hebrews chapter 10, I'm just going to go ahead and, and jump into this text this morning and kind of talk about what the Lord is, is showing us here. I've, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I typically study for a sermon throughout the week and, and give it, you know, chunks of time here and there. And I, I kind of wrestle with the, the theme and the scripture as the week goes by. And this is one that has been kind of through stewing in, in my heart and my spirit for a while now, not just this week. And, and so I'm grateful to God for that. And, but along with that, it made it really difficult um, to write this sermon because I had so much that I wanted to say. And I promised myself that I would try to not keep us as long as I did last week. And so now I'm, I'm going to try. That doesn't mean I'm going to do that. Okay. So I sat down yesterday, which I typically do on Saturdays to kind of write out my message and and I tried three times and started it three different times and so I have like three different sermons going on here in my head and I'm not going to just use any of them because I'm just going to talk about what the Lord is showing us here um, I know what God is calling us to do as the body of Christ I believe in this with all of my heart and I hope that that's communicated to us here today so follow with me Hebrews chapter 10 and I want us to start in verse 19 he says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know if you have spent a lot of time studying the book of Hebrews. It's not the always the funnest book to study. There aren't any stories, any kind of 
crazy, cool, miraculous stories that we see in these pages. We talked about it on Wednesday in our adult Bible study, how it's kind of a, a complicated passage, a, co a complicated book, right? I mean, there's a lot of theology, a lot of doctrine. And if you don't know a lot about Jewish history and Jewish culture and their religious practices, and some of this is going to be lost on you. And yet, it's incredible to see all the things that the author of Hebrews says about Jesus being our high priest, right? And so he talks a lot in the chapters leading up to our passage today about the fact that because Jesus came and because Jesus stepped into that gap between us and God and he, he did what he did on the cross and he came back to life and he's now seated at the right hand of God in heaven, because of all those things, he's our high priest and he makes intercession for us with the Father. And because of all that, he has made a way for you and I to have fellowship with God, right? That's what the, the gist of Hebrews is about. That's what the foundation, that's, that's the foundation of our Christian life, right? That, that when it comes down to it, what it's about is the fact that, that you and I can have this free relationship with, with God because of Jesus. He says that we have access to his throne. We have boldness to come before the Father. We can come to Him and, and ask for, for grace and mercy in times of need. We have this relationship with Him. We are brought, in a sense, into this community with God, right? With, with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. We are brought into relationship and community with them. And so God's desire is that that is the foundation of our lives. That before we go on talking about our mission and our ministry and the things that we want to do for the kingdom of God, we have to get this point right first. That before anything else matters, what matters more than anything else is that you and I have this relationship with God. That we understand what Jesus did to bring us near to the Father and allow us to have direct access to Him. You and I, as believers in Christ, every day when we walk around this earth, we are never away or apart from the presence of God. We are every single moment of our lives as Christians walking in community with the Father, with God. I hope that makes sense to you. That we have this relationship, this connection with them. And the writer says here in Hebrews 10 that, that God's desire is that as we go on through this life, that we would hold fast to that connection, that we would hold on to that, that we would cling to that, right? That it would be something that we never let go of, that, that every single day of our lives as believers in Christ, that we are continuing to walk in that direction, to walk in that connection with God, that we stay in communion with Him, that we stay in fellowship with Him. That's our prayer for our lives, right? That's my prayer for you. My prayer for you as, as the people of this church is that God would, would increase your fellowship with him, that God would keep you faithful to him every single day of your lives, that there would never be a time in your life or a season in your life when you walk away from that fellowship with God. We all know how easy that is, right? We all know how, how, how risky that is also. We know that sometimes temptations present themselves. The distractions of life present themselves. Life gets hectic or busy or, or just we go through changes in our station in life or seasons of our lives can sometimes draw us away from our fellowship with God. And yet the writer of Hebrews says, hold on to that fellowship. Continue to walk in that. That's God's desire. It's God's will, right? That from the day you're saved to the day that you die, you are continuing to hold tightly to that community and that fellowship and that connection with God. Part of the, one of the ways that we can do that, that we can see success in that area, 
is by allowing our fellowship with God to create fellowship with other people who also belong to God. Right? It's not God's desire that we have our fellowship with God and then live as just isolated Christians for the rest of our lives. I think we all have either had personal experiences in our own lives or we've witnessed it in other people's lives, what happens when believers step away from the community of faith that God puts them in, right? What happens when, when you withdraw your fellowship from God's people, it's a lot harder to keep your flame burning for Jesus, isn't it? It's a lot harder to, to hold tightly to your fellowship with God if you're not also plugged into the fellowship of a church. And that's what he talks about in this passage as well. And so God wants us to, to hold on to that fellowship, and he wants us to help each other in that direction. And God gives us this calling. He says, your faith in Christ, your relationship with Jesus is not just about you. It's also about the other people around you and how you can be used by God to help to, to provoke them and prompt them and, and, and gently lead them into closer fellowship with God. See, God wired every single one of us to be relational beings, right? Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am an introvert by nature, right? Which is really hard. It's really hard for a, a pastor to be an introvert, you know, because you kind of have to talk to people. But I'm going to be honest with you because you probably you may not know this about me. I, I have always enjoyed quiet alone time. Now, that is it. now, I'm not giving you this subtle message to leave me alone and not call me. All right? I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying that there's just something about having that quiet alone time that refuels me. Father, are there any, are there any introverts in the room? Are there any? Okay, yeah. Now, other people are extroverts, like my wife, a little bit, right? And they like to be around people, and they're social, and that recharges them. It refuels them. And so it's draining to them when they're kind of cooped up by themselves. And I'm the opposite, right? I can be around people and talk to people and be social, but that drains my batteries. And so I have to go home and spend time by myself in order to be refueled for the next time, right? That's just the way that God made. Now, that used to really bother me. I used to really feel bad about myself because of that. I always, I always thought something was wrong with me, right? But I finally come to terms with the fact that this is just the way that God created me. Now, even though I'm an introvert, and even though I like being alone, and I don't have to crave socialization all the time, here's one thing that even I know. I know the value of having a group of people that I feel like I can belong to and be a part of. Right? I may not always want to socialize with people, but throughout the course of my life, even this introvert, God has shown me the value of connecting with people for the good of my sanctification and the, the, the encouragement of my faith. Right? I know because God has shown me that I, my faith is not going to be as strong as it can be if all I'm doing is just spending time by myself, just me and God. And that's important. I need to spend time just me and God on, our, on my own, right? But God has also shown me the incredible value of connecting with other believers in order to have my faith encouraged and so that I can find an opportunity to encourage other people's faith as well, right? The writer of Hebrews, he says here that as we're holding fast to our faith and we're holding fast to our confession, he says there uh, in verse 24, let us consider how we can stir up one another to love and to good works. In the KJV, it says how we can provoke one another. Now, you know as well as I do that a lot of people provoke us about different things, right? We sometimes get provoked to anger and to anxiety and to annoyance by other people, right? 
But how much different would the world be or the church be if all we did was provoke each other to more love for Jesus and more good works as the body of Christ? That's what the Bible calls us to. That if we're a community of faith, that we're going to be provoking each other in good ways. Not getting on each other's nerves, but helping to push each other further towards Jesus. Now, there are a lot of people in the world today. I know I've talked about this before, but I, I, a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that uh, I feel like in our culture there are a lot of people in the world who are craving love, right? Love and acceptance and, and things like that, and they want connection with people as much as they may not admit it. I thought about that some more this week, and I was reminded, and God kind of made me aware of this truth, that not only are people, I think, craving love in our culture because we live in this love-starved society, but I see a lot of people in our culture who want, desperately want to belong to a group of people. They want to belong somewhere, right? So I'm a part of this, um, this Facebook group called uh, for small church pastors. It's called Small Church Pastors. And there's this community of people who, who pastor churches or who are, that are smaller um, who kind of engage with each other in this Facebook group and, and kind of like, you know, give each other advice or share prayer requests, or share victories and successes, and, and give each other encouragement, or they just kind of ask questions like, what would you do in this situation, and things like that. This, you, this is unbelievable. I looked the other day at how many members are in this group now. As of today, there are 3,400 people in this Facebook group. That's 3,400 people who pastor small churches all across the world, not just in America, who desperately want to be a part of this community of people who share this common interest and this common passion and are working towards the same goal. And they help each other, right? They encourage each other in their ministries. Erin and I talk about her, her, her online groups that she's a part of, and, and some of it is just, it blows my mind how much people um, share their lives in these, these groups. And so she's a part of one group for, for teachers, right? And another group for, for moms-to-be, for pregnant women, and kind of just sharing their experiences or asking questions or asking for advice. And so she'll tell me sometimes, like, you won't believe what this person posted in this group. Like, look at the, you know, they just kind of told her whole life story. And, like, it's just amazing. And so, like, we kind of just scratch our heads. And we're like, wow, that's crazy how people live like that, right? Or how much, how much information about their lives that they're, they're kind of willing to give out, right? It kind of confuses me. It confused me at first, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized, and I've, I've told her this, doesn't that just show you how desperate people are for community and for a safe place, right? For a place to belong, a group to belong to, right? They're, they're desperate to have this group of people that they can trust with the stories of their lives, a group of people who kind of share in their struggles and share in their interests and share in their passions and, and are kind of heading in the same direction. And isn't that what the church is supposed to be? The church is supposed to be this community of believers who have this shared interest, this shared passion, who we, we are willing to share in each other's struggles and successes and victories. We are willing to share each other's stories and, and get involved in each other's lives and support and encourage each other. That's what God calls the church to be. Last week we talked about God's calling upon the church to, to be involved in the work of the ministry. That is so incredibly important. But one thing that we need to be careful of is that we don't become so obsessed with or, or passionate about doing the work of the ministry that we forget to focus on the community of the church. 
And so that's our, our last and final theme, our, our last and final topic for this, this sermon series. I put the wrong, you know, scripture in there because that's what I do sometimes. <laughs> Investing in the community of the church is what we're called to do. Hebrews chapter 10. I don't know why I put Luke. Hebrews 10. Investing in the community of the church. Not only are we called to invest our lives in the ministry of the church, that's important, right? And we have opportunities to do that. But we're also called to invest our lives in the community of the church. To have this, this, this opportunity to connect with other people who you know care about you. That's a powerful thing. So he says there in Hebrews 10, 24, let's consider then how we can stir up one another to love and to good works. So he says in verse 25, not neglecting to or not forsaking the gathering of yourselves together, the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, there are people in this day when this, this, uh, this scripture was written, there were people who, who came from different backgrounds to this world of Christianity. There were Gentile people who had never really known any religion apart from their pagan religion, and they were converted to Christianity because they, they understood what Christ did for them, and so they gave their lives to Jesus, and they began to form these churches. But there were also Jewish people who were coming to Christ out of their Jewish religion. And one of the problems that was happening in this culture was that people were coming to Christianity out of Judaism, but they were still not willing to completely part with their Judaism. And so there was a segment of people who were Jewish Christians who did not believe that they needed to come in, come in uh, and, and, and associate themselves with other Christians, with Gentile Christians especially. Now they didn't believe, they, they, in their mind, they thought, well, I'm a Jew and I'm a Christian and I have it all right. I don't need to go and be a part of those Gentile Christians and to kind of connect my life to theirs, right? I can be isolated. I can do my own thing and have my own walk with God. I think that's common for us still a lot of people in our world today. There are a lot of people, even in our small community, who don't understand the value and the importance of connecting with and associating with a local body of believers, right? To them, it, it's enough to be a part of the worldwide body of Christ. It's enough to, to believe in God and to believe in Jesus and to have faith in his sacrifice and to read your Bible and, and have your own time of prayer. But they don't take that necessary next step and, and also plug themselves into a church, right? So that's what, that's what was happening here in this culture. And he says here, let's not neglect to gather ourselves together like some people have the habit of doing. And when he talks about gathering together, he's talking about gathering together as an assembly of believers who have gathered to worship God, right? And so they had these regular times throughout their week where they would gather together as the church and they would worship. And they would pray, and they would have fellowship together. And the writer says, let's not forsake that. Let's not, let's not neglect that calling, right? That responsibility to come in and give up some of our time and, and share the space with other believers so that we can pour our hearts collectively to worship God. This was a command, right? I mean, this was, he's giving this as a command. We're expected to obey God's commands, right? Well, what did they have to lose if they chose to neglect or forsake that assembling of themselves together? What was supposed to be the consequence of that? He doesn't say, right? He doesn't say, if you don't, then God's going to strike you down and you're going to die. He didn't say that, right? 
He doesn't say if you don't gather as a church and you're probably not really a Christian and you're, you're going to go to hell. There are some churches who teach that, right? The writer of Hebrews, he doesn't say that. But think about what they were missing out on by not gathering with other believers. Think about how their faith was not able to be as strong as it possibly could be when they weren't connecting themselves to other believers. Think about what they were robbing themselves of the opportunity to do when they were neglecting to come and gather together and worship God collectively. Right? I mean, think about that. When you have been, and I'm sure you've been, just as I have, in church for a long time, right? I've been in a lot of churches in my life. I've been in church for a long time since I was real little. And, and I've seen different people treat the church in different ways. And I've also seen, as I said earlier, I've seen what happens to people when they disconnect themselves from the fellowship of the body of Christ. What happens to their faith? One of the fears that happened that was going on in this culture was that if they did not stay plugged in and connected, there was a risk of what they call apostasy. It's a big, fancy Bible word that we don't use a lot. What it really means is just falling away from your faith in Christ. I've seen people begin to disconnect themselves from the church, and it doesn't take long for them to disconnect themselves from the faith completely. Before you know it, they're not even practicing anymore. They don't even believe anymore, right? It's a dangerous thing to disconnect ourselves. It's better for us spiritually, emotionally, relationally, when we plug ourselves into the body of Christ. A couple of years ago, we took our teenagers to camp over at Camp Eagle. That was an amazing time to help them, those teens, build up this stronger sense of community. They, they spent a lot of time together, like every waking hour during the day together, right? Like they did everything together. Because we told the camp people, we don't want them to have any downtime. We want them to just stay busy, right? And it was really cool to see them come back, and you could sense the, the strength within their community, the unity that it helped to create in them. But that time at camp also reminded me of the power of community as well. We were out on top of the hill at the final worship night. The kids had done this activity where they had to haul this massive cross all the way up, was it, they had to haul this cross up to the top of this mountain. And there was a worship experience up there. And while the kids were kind of scattered around and spending time in prayer around the cross, the camp leader, Dave, was walking around asking people, checking on them, things like that. He walked up to me. He said, how can I specifically pray for you right now? And I thought, wow, no one's ever asked me that before. And so I told him. And I, I think I told him something about, I don't want to mess this up, and I want to be the best leader, and I, whatever, you know. And Normally when someone says that to you, and they say, how can I pray for you? They'll say, okay, I'll pray for you. And then they leave. But he didn't. He stopped, and he said, okay, let's pray. And he put his hand on my shoulder, and I said, oh, we're doing this now, okay. And so I bowed my head, and he prayed for me on the spot. And that was incredible for me. It was powerful, you know. I don't remember everything that he prayed, but I, I could tell that he was sincere. He was heartfelt because he actually cared about what I was struggling with in that moment. And he walked away after that, and I saw him go to several other people and ask them the exact same question, and I saw people praying with him on the spot. And to me, that's what Christian community is like. That's a perfect example of what happens or what's supposed to happen within a Christian community. The people genuinely care about you. 
Now you know how it is, right? People, you, you come across people and you ask them how their day is going. And probably secretly you're, not, you're hoping that they don't give you their whole life story and tell you all the struggles they're having, right? You want them to say, oh, I'm fine. And then you say, okay, good, me too. And then you're probably both not fine, right? But I wonder what would happen if we took the time to really ask because we really care. And to say, hey, listen, how can I pray for you right now in this moment? Before we do anything else, talk to me about your struggle. How would that feel if somebody came to you and they said, you know, I've been thinking about you. And I, how are you doing? Just talk, talk. I've got nowhere else to be. Tell me how you're doing. And they took the time to ask you how your life was going. How incredible would that be? How might God be able to use you to speak into someone else's life like that? You know, as I read the Bible, especially as I read the New Testament, I see God, you know, these, these, these people who wrote these scriptures, God speaking through them to write these letters to churches, not to individual Christians. I look at Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 5. I see Paul talking about all these verses. He says the word one another, the words one another over and over and over again, right? You frequently see these scriptures, these commands, these words of encouragement for how people are supposed to treat one another in the community of faith. Those are important commands to follow. But what it all starts with is that there is a community of faith to begin with. And that's what God calls us to do. My prayer has been for our church for a while now that God would teach us how to be a stronger community of believers. That God would show us that that the church is not a place that you go to or a thing that you do, but it's a family that you're a part of. That's my, I feel like God has laid that passion on my heart, and I hope that that's been made clear to you. That's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying for each and every one of you that God shows you the value and what can happen in your life if you allow yourself to be a part of the community of the church. We have a perfect opportunity to do that tonight at the Sanford's house. Pretty soon we'll be, start, we'll be doing that more frequently. And I hope and I pray that you take that opportunity and plug into that. That you see how God can bless you as you plug into the community. And even more than that, you see how God can use you to bless other people. Amen? Let's stand as we get ready to sing one last song. Or Another song on the screen, Build My Life, one that we've been singing a lot lately.